It's Ryan Rosillo podcast on the Ringer Network and Spotify. And here's the plan for today. We have Brandon Marshall, linebacker uh, from the NFL. Played from 2012 to 2018. Was part of those awesome Broncos defenses. He's doing stuff for the Raiders now on their coverage. So we'll get a little story time with him. Life advice at the end. But something new. I'm going to talk a little bit about the NBA. But something new that I'm doing this season on the podcast. NBA player perceptions from real NBA scouts, front office people, and coaches. So that's going to be the theme of uh, some of the stuff we're doing. We're going to do the first one today. It's the Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos and more so download the app today and bet with FanDuel official partner of the NBA the ringer is committed to responsible gaming so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details must be 21 and older 18 plus in DC and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com this episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. It gets coming up a little bit later, and we have a we have a life advice that I hope Kyle can help me out on a little bit here. But coming off of what I just talked about there, this is something I've been planning on doing for a while. Just had to make sure we get a lot of people on the same page. It's going to be NBA GMs, scouts. A lot of the advanced scouts are really good because they're out there watching uh, pro players and then, of course, coaches from time to time. And the whole point of this is there's a perception of two players. What is the perception as we talk about them? And then what is the perception? What's the reality as far as NBA guys? And here's the thing. Just like we disagree, NBA people, they get paid to make these decisions disagree. So the first players that we want to do are Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Kyle, I do have to make a statement. I have to issue a statement here. There's a video going around of me in a bedroom Well, that was produced by The Ringer <laughs> that came out from Monday's podcast. And... I didn't know we were doing a breakout video for that one. And so there's some clothing in the background. Ah, I, you know what? I didn't even know they put that out, but I remember thinking in the moment, that's an interesting choice. Didn't want anything yeah, on the walls, just put it on the bed. Yep. Nothing on the walls in this bedroom. Is it my, is it the master? Who knows? I think mystery. I see the ocean. Is that what I'm seeing through that blue? Is that the blue tint in the window? I never asked. That's you. not the ocean. Ah, no, shit. no. Everybody thinks it's I've the told ocean some people or it's, it's the outside. Ocean. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, actually stucco from the neighboring wall. <laughs> so it's, it's like the view of, oh, okay. you know, when somebody says, oh, we put you further away from the elevator and you're in New York City and you go, oh, that's like, okay, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. That's great. And then you realize you're walking through this maze of this old hotel in Manhattan and then your view is just another wall stucco. <laughs> yeah, another wall right outside. <laughs> like if you turn your head you know, 91 degrees. You're like, what? Man, I really thought uh, that was the ocean. I kind of wish I didn't ask. I got to be honest. It's definitely not the ocean. There's a <laughs> railing that goes across it. So maybe that's people thought that it was Horizon or something. I don't know. I don't know. But there are some out there that are that are really upset about 
the fact that there's a lot of people are calling it dirty laundry. Um, here's what I can say. Yes, it was laundry. I was cleaning out a closet. I was donating some of the clothing to, uh, to a shelter. I'm not asking for credit for that. I don't think I'm a hero, really. But I just wanted to clear that up because people, people were very worried about it. I had no idea we were running um, a breakout video for that because it was a solo one. And honestly, the Steph choice, I, I didn't think the Steph segment was... <laughs> st- I the suggested Steph segment the awards. Would... That's what I'll say. I suggested some awards that it didn't make the cut for some reason. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. We may all have to hunker down again <laughs> about something because I'll put all this time into that awards thing. I mean, I'm talking to just get it right. And I'm, you know, I certainly didn't go 32 for 32. Some people thought some were funny. Other people thought different ones were funny, right? That was the whole point. I was just trying to do something for the end of the season, have it be a little bit more fun, lighthearted, didn't have a guest going. So, you know, I was just doing something different, but I thought, okay, well, you can't really do a breakout on that. And then I had that college football thing, which again, is sort of repetitive frustration with the college football world and i would say more in the media side than that like everybody is cherry picking everything to make a point and i could just i could jedi mind you on any point that you make i just i, I can i've done it long enough and it's it's really leads me to have an open mind instead of being definitive like ohio state you really thought they were bad or they didn't deserve it. I mean, I had a problem with it, but I also didn't have a problem with it. You know, I was like, ah, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. But I mean, look, look what's going on in the country this year. Like, I'm not going to worry about it. And then here they are playing for a national championship. We'll see how many Buckeyes are ready to go. Uh, as you probably have read that there's some real COVID concerns with Ohio State and whether or not Ohio State had asked to have that game pushed back. And then, you know, look, everybody's going to sit there and be like, we never said that. Alabama's going to say, yeah, you don't want to play us. And then, you know, we'll see what happens because I wouldn't rule out Ohio State's ability to score points against Alabama. I wouldn't think, I think they could score points. But um, yeah, so when the breakout video came out, I was like, oh, so they went with the Curry one, which I didn't really even love the Curry. I just felt like he had 62. I don't know that I made any new points that were all that great. But anyway, uh, people listening to this podcast, maybe it's the first time because of this new thing that we're going to do or going, what the hell is this the podcast? No, it isn't. Let's get to it. All right. So I still don't know that I love the flagrant three title, but we're going to roll with it. I have three things that I want to hit on here real quick uh, as it regards to some of the stuff I've been watching. Um, and that is, I feel like I'm big on complimenting losing teams lately. So I didn't expect to be doing that, but let's take a swing at this. <laughs> Okay, is Trey Young Josh Allen? The reason I was thinking this is that when Josh Allen started, okay, first of all, Josh Allen hasn't had a good completion rate in high school, in college, in his first two years, and now he's at 70%, okay, just under 70%. Uh, He was 53% when he came in the league, 10 touchdowns, 12 picks. His interception percentage was was 4% of his throws. Now it's two. His QBR was 50. Now it's 82. His touchdown interception split again now is 37-10. He's an MVP caliber type quarterback, at least the season that he had this year. He's not going to win it. Uh, I would put a handful of guys probably ahead of him, maybe three or four. Maybe maybe it's not five. Don't want to argue that. But the point is that he went from somebody where I go, "What, what, what is this? And a blip here or there, and really the support for him was based more on hope than it was reality. And now the reality is, is you feel like you have a stud who everyone in Buffalo thinks we now have a guy for the next 10 years. All right. Right. Is that fair? Now with Trey Young, it's it's slightly different because his bad stretch was summer league in the beginning of his career. And then he put together a nice run. 
Like he he really did. He was 28 and three. And you go, oh, okay. Like this isn't a disaster he's going to play, which is something that I've always defended Trey on with his approach and some of the attitude. Um, not all of the approach, certainly, but that part of the Trey Young story I've always understood. Hey, you guys were making fun of me from day one. I wasn't even going to be able to play in the league. And now look at me. And then he's an all-star in his second year. Okay. So I understand that evolution and in his attitude and a chip on the shoulder that he would have after being made fun of as long as he was okay because it was really really bad that summer league stuff that people were running and look it just didn't look good all right so now let's look at Atlanta this year based on expectations and what's going on with this team and how much of that has to do with a different Trey Young so again Trey wasn't ever as bad for an entire year as Josh Allen was Trey's season last year you could say, okay, well, that, that's the same thing that we just got from Josh Allen. All right, fine. But we're also talking about winning games, and they didn't win any games last year. But now they're kind of hovering in that area. They're the eighth seed as of today. They're just over 500. Um, they're good. Just by being good, by being better, like there's a real chance and real hope that you go, maybe this team can make the playoffs as opposed to a team I thought last year. Defensively, they were so bad. Like I didn't even want to hear it, and, and Trey was putting up all these numbers. Now, the numbers, the traditional numbers across the board for Trey are still pretty similar um 29 9 and 4 but here's what I've noticed and this is something I've always tracked with him just because when you watch it you go I don't know that it's a lot of fun to play with him but I think now not only is he adjusting his approach to the game a little but they're just better players around him too and this is all still without Danilo really giving him a full season so far okay so Atlanta is getting it done for two reasons they're 39% from three right now. They're sixth in the league at 39%, which is nuts because there's seven teams in the NBA that 39% are above from three. Uh, last year, there were zero teams that shot over 39%. Utah led the league at 38%. By the way, Milwaukee is leading the league right now, shooting from three at 44% on 40 attempts per game. Their offensive efficiency numbers per 100 are off the charts for the first two weeks of the season. Defensively, they're not close to being the same team as they were. Who knows? All this stuff may work itself out. So we know that Atlanta is shooting better from three, and they're still not necessarily like the top team. So it's not totally fluky. That 39 number probably dips a little bit. Um, you also have guys like DeAndre Hunter who's shooting it better. Cam Reddish is shooting it better. I mean, there's guys across the board that are just shooting the hell out of the basketball. Bogdanovich has shot it really well, too. They're still trying to figure out some of the lineup stuff without Danilo, closing with Hunter and Reddish, keeping Herter out there at times, trying to figure out if it's Collins or Capella. Uh, the two worst three-point shooting players actually on this team are Trey and Collins as far as guys that are actually taking a lot of shots, so maybe that bounces back up for Trey. But here's the really important stuff, the tracking stuff. When you look at how long a player has the ball in his hands, for Trey, it was hard to ever argue that anybody had it more than him. I think the only guy that jumped him in any of the categories would be DJ Augustine, who just, you know, that's part of his deal. He's going to dribble the air out of the ball. These numbers aren't going to seem significant, but I'm telling you that they are because they're at least a, 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 a step in the right direction here. The same way when you looked at some of the Josh Allen stuff, you go, hey, all of this is better. And granted, it was dramatically better year three to year two. This isn't as dramatic, and it may sound like it's insignificant, but it isn't. So. In 1920, Trey had 87 touches per game. It's down a couple. His time of possession was number one in the NBA. He had the ball over nine seconds every possession. That's an astonishing number. Far and away the biggest in the league last year. This year, he's still like in the top five, but it's down. Um, his seconds per touch last year, he was number two in the league. He's dropped almost a second per touch now. 
And the number of dribbles per possession, he was at the top again, about six or so with DJ Augustine, and then he's dropped down. So some of the possession stuff where he's just dribbling and dribbling, look, he's still going to do that. He's still such a good creator and such a good passer that he's going to have the basketball a ton, but he's doing it less. And part of that, I hope, is not only his own approach, but trusting his teammates more and just straight up having better teammates. So that was something that had to change. Despite his traditional absurd numbers for a second-year player and all the accolades that go with that, where I don't think people pay attention to all the real stuff, like a D'Angelo Russell, I think had 27 points in three quarters last night when Minnesota loses to Denver because Minnesota's terrible on defense. Minnesota lets you set up deeper, I think. And I look, I've, I've watched every team, but not full 48 minutes, all of it, all the way through multiple times but the depth that minnesota let denver get to offensively you go why don't you guys just get out of the way and make this easier so you can get the ball back quicker you know when i see a d'angelo russell who has all of the skill almost too much skill that continues to make him confident and dangerous as an offensive player but when you just lose guys on on baseline cuts because you don't want to pay attention when you're just lost in the middle defensively because you just I don't know either you don't care or you don't understand any of those things like that's where I get upset with some of the players that get all of these accolades and you're like yeah I know what he's doing but I don't really think he's helping you win but now this year the team is at least passable defensively right now statistically last year Atlanta was 28th in defensive efficiency this year they're 18th the number is about five points per 100 possession so it's heading all in the right direction and for atlanta to be just sniffing around that seven and eight and all that kind of stuff because we still don't really know what to do with these records i mean the Cavs and the knicks are in the playoffs as of today the bucks are the seventh seed brooklyn's actually out they're four and four after looking like they were going to run with this thing in the east which again most of this stuff unless it's an established team that you know exactly where you're getting it's it's still hard to go, all right, I know exactly what I have after these two weeks. Like, I thought Toronto was going to take a step back. They can't make a shot. That offense is terrible. Their half-court offense wasn't great last year, and now they're 1-5. and five. They look bad. I mean, they look straight-up terrible. And you're like, is Nick Nurse going to have a team that, that wins 20% of its games? Speaking of um, being in the playoffs right now, the Knicks are the five seed. Again, whatever. But that's great. That's great because there's some of these teams like Philly where I go, okay, six and one. The defense is terrific. Philadelphia is the best defensive team in the league as of today. The offense, I don't think really looks all that different. I mean, Ben Simmons is fifth in shot attempts, I believe, as of the last day I looked at it on the team. He's behind Curry. Um, he's behind Milton. He's behind Embiid. He's behind Tobias Harris. So we can talk about their record and, hey, Doc, fixed the Ben. Joe, no, he didn't. They're just awesome on defense. He fixed the defense. and they haven't really played that many tough teams. Whereas the Knicks, the Knicks are four and three. And sometimes, hey, it's the schedule stupid, but the Knicks have wins against Atlanta, against the Pacers, against the Cavs, who are actually oddly good defensively, like really good right now. Uh, and Milwaukee, who's who's played with their lineup. So the thing that I would say about uh, the Knicks here, and this is classic Tibbs, and if he doesn't know you that well, like you that much, he doesn't like you calling him that. Uh, R.J. Barrett's at 39 minutes this year per game as of 30 last year. Julius Randles, who traditional numbers, 22-11-7. The assists are nuts. He's 40% from three. He's been incredible. Um, the traditional numbers, some nights for R.J., give you hope. The metrics aren't great on him, but those guys are both jumping up about nine minutes per game under Coach Thibodeau. Um, some of that could go, oh, here we go, and especially with these quick turnarounds and how weird the schedule is this year. I would think at this age, they could probably handle that. You know, it's 36 and 39 minutes. Really, some scientists will probably tell me, yes, it's a huge deal. But I think a lot of it's figuring out, RJ, hey, can we play? Let's get him out there as much as we possibly can and see what we have in this player. One, two, one, two. 
It's the wolf creeping in the shadow. The last thing that I have is New Orleans. They're four and three. And after that Miami game, I know I came on here and was like, what are we doing with uh, with the Pelicans? What are they doing defensively? Because I wasn't sure. And I knew they weren't sure either. Well, they fixed that part of it. They're fifth in defensive efficiency right now. So New Orleans, Van Gundy, they deserve a ton of credit for that. The problem is offensively, you know, let me stay with the positives. They rebound, they get to the free throw line, and Brandon Ingram on these drives is close to unstoppable. And his playmaking, his assist numbers are up too. Like Brandon Ingram, is really that good. He's he's that special. But you can tell, as we thought with this roster, they're still trying to figure this thing out. That Pacers game, they shouldn't have lost. They totally pissed it away at the end. Go to overtime and lose. I'm going to get to that overtime and something that happened there that I thought was a mistake. But with New Orleans, they don't. I they they clearly you know now they got the defensive numbers right, which you would expect with Van Gundy. They're mixing and match, which I like. I like that they're experimenting with some of these lineups. You know, they went small, really small against the Pacers in a spot because they were trying to figure it out. And the Pacers can go small and go big with Sabonis and Turner. Obviously, with no Warren there. They're a little different. It kind of hurt them not having Ingram. But there's a lot of offensive possessions for the Pelicans, at least right now, where it looks like it's, hey, Ingram, figure this thing out. Whereas Zion is always going to get you numbers. If you play him 30 minutes a game, he's going to get you numbers without ever having to run anything for him. But the problem is I'd like to see a little bit more for him. And I think the biggest problem that I thought was kind of inexcusable, I can understand what the staff was trying to do with, with the Pelicans and, and Zion, but they start overtime. They shouldn't be in it. Clearly, they're bummed out. They want to get Zion a bit of a break because Zion is just not in the shape that he needs to be in to be a long-term NBA player. And everybody, you know, everybody knows about this. And so they didn't want to start Zion at the start of overtime. So at about 2.50, there was a stoppage, and the Pacers were going to inbound it. And instead of subbing Zion in there after he sat for over two minutes to start overtime, they wanted it probably, and this is exactly, I'm sure this is what they were doing, they wanted to hopefully get Zion in on an offensive possession. Well, okay, so you got to weigh these things. Hey, the Pacers are about to inbound. I can get Zion in now, or... I can let them inbound, then send Zion to the scorer's table. So that way we don't really have him on defense. And then we'll see what happens. Well, you know what happened is you went another two minutes without him getting into the basketball game. And so we're talking about Zion sitting for almost four minutes of overtime. The first time he actually does sub in, fake handoff, right to the rack, and one. And, you know, I, the same thing happened with it's, it wasn't as bad as, as Malone and not wanting to ever play Michael Porter Jr. until he started to come out on the scene more towards the end of the year. And then we saw what he was capable of. But in that moment, it's overtime. Zion sat a couple minutes. I felt like that one little thing that I'm, I'm sure you know wasn't anything anybody would get unless you were totally on the Pelicans. A lot of good beat writers down there are going, wait, what, what happened with this? Maybe there's an explanation to it that I don't quite understand, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And I think, hey, do we want to put ourselves in a situation where Zion's going to sit for four minutes of overtime? Well, the answer would always be no. So let's make sure that doesn't happen again. One slight it's a hedge. I don't know that it's a hedge. <laughs> if I had a broker, I would call him and say, hey, should I be worried about this shorting Nick Batum position? Because when Batum started the year, I swear he was playing. He was. I mean, I wouldn't say it unless I saw it. He was playing as if somebody who just was like, I don't want anybody to figure out how washed I am. But he's actually playing better for them. He's giving them some real minutes to closing. And that's the big thing I'll always look at is this closing lineups and and how teams are closing, then kind of seeing some of the changes they make. Because most coaches, when it really comes down to those last six to four minutes, they know exactly who they want out there, and that kind of tells you everything, especially the way that they use them. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. 
From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. This episode is brought to you by Viore. It's time to ditch your old workout fit. Seriously, just let them go and try Viore clothing instead. Their active wear is unbelievable. Sometimes I wear it and I go, do I look too good? (laughs) I don't want to be at this peak level of awesomeness in their joggers every single day. This is going to be hard to maintain, but that's what the joggers do for you. Whether you're sort of business cash, whether you're just around the house, whether you're working out, whether you're getting on a plane and you're going to be in your seat for a long time, the joggers just give you a hug for the entire flight. It's soft. It's comfortable. You're never going to want to take them off. Incredible versatility. You can wear it while taking part in different kinds of exercises, running, training, swimming, yoga, and more. Viore yoga class. That just makes sense. The Sunday jogger is the number one go-to. And of course, the core short out now. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash Ryan. As I've said uh, throughout the career here, one of the coolest things is, is people that work in the NBA and, and to a lesser extent other leagues that trust me enough to talk to me, have liked the show over the years. I know one of the great things about being on TV all those years with Van Pelt and then Danny afterwards is you'd go to these college campuses and you know the staff you'd be there for a football game and the staff would just say yeah we watch you every day when we're having lunch and it, it meant a lot to me anyway so um traveling you know my first uh my first time that I went out to like meet some of these guys I went to the Portsmouth Invitational in 2003 you know didn't have any money somebody said hey go down there you never know maybe you hit it off with somebody that's when I'd rather work for a team anyway um which is funny because in the beginning I never ever wanted to be on the air anyway I wanted to uh I wanted to put all this time in for a reason <laughs> instead of instead of some takes. So what I did here, here's the concept. I'm gonna do this all season long. This is the NBA player perception segment. We're gonna take two players and I'm gonna ask front office people and coaching staff. It's all gonna change all the time. It's all gonna be anonymous. Um, where I'm going to tell you what the scout, we'll just call a scout, thinks of these two players and how that may be changes or agrees with perception because I think as of today as great as Jalen Brown has been and he's like he's a total miss for me on the draft I have plenty of ones that I'm proud of Uh, I didn't see it I thought the Cal thing was a mess up there no one was really quite sure who the third pick should have been in that draft it was the Simmons Ingram draft and Jalen has progressively gotten better and better and he's been incredible to start the season and then you have Ben Simmons who I think I like to say neighborhood a lot. Right? What neighborhood does that player live in? What neighborhood is that quarterback in? What neighborhood, you know, how big is the neighborhood of the truly elite, game-changing, franchise-altering type of NBA players? I think it's a real small group. You know, it's not a condo association with ridiculous HOA regulations. It is um, a small group. And I think Simmons is talked about someone who could potentially be there. I, I think if we were ever to just sample it all, I think more people think of Ben Simmons as an NBA star or soon-to-be star than they do Jalen Brown. So this was the exercise. I asked three scouts about both players and asked them to compare them. I will now read you the scattering reports that I got from the scouts. All right, here we go. Um, this is scout number one on Ben Simmons first. Quote, 
I can understand the perception as it relates to Ben Simmons that you may have this guy who was the number one recruit in high school, the number one pick in the draft, rookie of the year, made all-star second year. If you took guys that fit that mold, if you look at that list, a lot of guys that became MVPs, first-team All-NBA guys that went on to become franchise-type players. So I understand how his early accomplishments on paper put him in the category of a franchise player. That said, I don't believe he's on that trajectory. I think that his lack of improvement, some of which may be related to his approach, hard for me to know from a distance, his lack of improvement as a shooter, lack of development of overall game, glaring holes in his game that make it hard for him to be good unless he's exactly in the perfect environment, perfect teammates, perfect coaches, the opposition that has some kind of weakness that he can exploit. That, to me, makes him less valuable than people think that he is. Because in the right circumstance when everything is good, the guy, Ben Simmons, is awesome. But there are a lot of circumstances where he's not awesome, including the circumstances he encounters in the playoffs. You're playing good defenses that are locked in on you, game plan for you, take away your weaknesses, less transition because teams are getting back on defense. If you're trying to build a team that can do much more than just make the playoffs because he's done that in Philly, when you're trying to take that next step, conference finals, NBA finals, he's going, if he's going, excuse me, if he's going to be the number one, number two option on a team trying to get there, I don't think he's a great piece. He's a hard piece to fit other players with. I think he's an easy piece to take out of his best stuff in the playoffs. At certain point, lumping him in with the other players that were the number one picks, MVPs, rookie of the years, and what that trajectory usually looks like, he's not that kind of guy. I think that this has become more and more evident as time goes along. Okay, so I asked him about Jalen. Same draft class. I had Brandon Ingram over Ben Simmons before the draft for stated concerns. The stated concerns above. Um, Jalen is a guy that had a lot of flaws as a prospect. Nobody knew that he turned into what he turned into. You're taking a gamble on a guy like that, but big, long, athletic. He's a wing player that had a chance to be a guy who could dribble, pass, and shoot, defend multiple positions, and the type of player that could fit with other good players. A game that could scale well into a playoff environment. Could use in multiple ways on and off the ball. Use him in multiple defensive matchups that you might face in the playoffs. That versatility and how he fits with other good players and still be valuable on offense when defenses take away your best stuff. He's evolved into a player that has all of those things. And I think in the long term, if you're a team that's trying to win in the playoffs, you'd rather have him than Ben Simmons. Wow. Okay. Um, I asked a quick follow-up. Is how What kind of gap are we talking about? He said, quote, Jalen Brown is the better player to win in the playoffs than Ben Simmons. If you're just trying to win some regular season games and you can build a team around one guy, there's a case to be made that Ben Simmons is the better focal point of a mediocre team. But if you're trying to win in the playoffs and you have other good players, I think Jalen is the better player, will do more to help you win in the playoffs, and I think he's trending up more than Simmons, and I think that gap will only increase. End quote. Okay. So, one vote for Jalen there. That was interesting, though, because he was... It, it sounds like a knock when he goes, if you want to make Ben the Simmons the focal point of a mediocre team, and that's fine. Like I think what he's saying is that Simmons' talent level allows you to have him be the main guy but if he's your main guy, there's a ceiling where he's not saying Jalen's necessarily the main guy. I'd just rather have Jalen. All right. Uh, another scout. Ben Simmons, quote, still needs to get um, stupid passes out of his game, but is playing better now, even with a reduced scoring role. Applaud Ben a lot for taking a slightly more of a backseat scoring and his stepped up effort defensively. The Ben Simmons is a top five defender in the league thing is real. Had it down when he came out that if he cared, he could be a monster on that end and be a legit five-position defender and has clearly stepped up on that end in the last 18 months. Scoring will always be a struggle, but like the three he took against the Magic uh, in the first quarter when the game was tied, but would have liked to see another when the game got away. Looks better in Doc's system and doesn't have to force as much. 
Um, has done it a few times and looked best, ironically, against Washington, but want to see more of taking the ball down to a design clear out for a Ben post up. We'll always wonder what if playing with uh, Joel in this era, and that is not going to go away. If either player played with a shooter instead of the other guy, it could be even more deadly. But if Embiid is going to be this locked in and actually in shape too, they actually look primed to be a real contender in the East. I've played only one team who finished over 500 last year so far, but appreciate Ben and Philly as a whole not taking their foot off the gas. Remains to be seen, obviously, if this keeps up. But Ben is playing like a legit Defensive Player of the Year candidate, an elite playmaker that puts him as a core-level player. Okay, here he is on Jalen Brown. Quote, contrast uh, Jalen with Ben. Jalen will never be as good unless he's the second option defensively. And what he means by that is the team's number one guy who they want to shut down is Tatum, right? And so he's saying, okay, Jalen can produce, but it's only because he's the second concern for the opponent's defense, all right? Um, But he's taking full advantage of not being defended by the best defender on the other team. Can't possibly see numbers keeping up all year, but right now have to appreciate the insane shooting percentage uh, Jalen has put up early. Should note that top scoring outings happen against teams that are young, banged up, or in the first game and haven't played much together with their current group, but impressive nonetheless. All right, that's a bit of a warning there. Look, some of these Jalen numbers are so off the charts that, you know, obviously it's going to regress somewhat. Shooting with zero fear. Shot still a tick slower and still thinks a little bit before pulling it, but is athletic and long enough that it hasn't been much of an issue. 50% from the side above the break so far. Uh, Big time finisher still with how. Jalen is shooting, able to get this man off easy and attack the rim. Increased playmaking responsibilities with point guard play down right now, which is why he loves playing with Pritchard so much, but is a smart enough player to add more uh, even when Kemba is back. I guess he's saying he'll be good. Still defending the best perimeter player as well. Love the intensity on that end and still competing even with more shots and a higher usage rate. Is the perfect second fiddle. Stop if you heard this before, but I think Boston is legit one year away now with Jalen and Tatum getting more accustomed to their new roles. But with play of experience already, they could see another trip to the conference finals with the uncertainty of what Philly, Brooklyn, Miami, Milwaukee look like. I did a quick follow-up with him, and I said, okay, what about the gap, though? And I said, do you think you would take Ben? And he goes, quote, as crazy as it sounds, I would. Maybe that's me being soft, but I think there's a world where Ben is the best player on a conference finals team, and I just don't see that with Jalen. Okay. So one vote for Ben Simmons. Let's get to the tiebreaker. Final one. Okay. This, this scout did like a a bunch of background stuff on it too, which I thought was really, really interesting. Okay. Jalen Brown first. Jalen's one of the best wings again, quote, Jalen is one of the best wings in the league. Excellent size of six, seven, two twenty, good length, very athletic plays hard. One of the best two way players at his position in the league. I can see him as an eight to 10 year all-star. If he stays healthy, he has not had a history of injuries. Offense, excellent in transition. He can get to the rim, finish with either hand. Very good strength to take contact and finish. Runs hard in transition. Can play some secondary pick and roll. And is good getting downhill. Excellent in the dribble handoff game. Turning the corner. Not a great passer. His career assist uh, turnover ratio, 1-5 to 1-5. He's worked to improve his mid-range and three-point shooting. I know the assistants, and they rave about his off-season work ethic. 40% corner three shooter over the last two seasons. Would expect that to improve. Good back cutter when overplayed. Inconsistent offensive rebounder. Defense, first off, his give-a-shit level defensively is very high. Take pride on that end and is versatile. Can guard one to four with switching ability. Versus small fives, he can guard them. Long, tough, and active. Gets his hands on a lot of balls. He and Marcus Smart give them two great perimeter defenders. Good isolation and pick-and-roll defender. Gets hit on screens and keeps coming to square the ball. Excellent laterally for his size. Jalen Brown is one of the 10 best wing players in the league. Okay, let's go to Ben Simmons here from the same scout offense. Quote, 
has finishing ability with both hands, will shoot the floater with his right hand very comfortably. He just glides down the court, but is fast as well. In a half-court set, the lack of shooting is obvious. Defenders can go under, but must square the ball or he's at the rim. He is unselfish by nature, wants to pass first unless he's at the rim. Off the ball, he's very good in the dunker for drop-off passes. Very poor perimeter shooter, and like he doesn't look at the rim. Total non-three-point shooter. Doc says he's not concerned, but come playoff time, he will be. He must improve as a free-throw shooter, especially in the playoffs. Career 60% on five attempts per game. I know some of what's going on in Philly the past three seasons. One of his problems is he does not put in the time to improve. Don't believe the IG or Twitter workouts you see his brother post. It's all phony. He does not work on his shooting. Everyone can see the mechanical problems, but he is not and probably will not address it. He loves L.A. and spends most of his time there in the offseason. He definitely has some Hollywood in him. If he ever gets serious about improving his shooting and free throws, he could be as good as Giannis, but I don't think he's wired that way. Lots of cool guy with him. Defense, excellent. Size to defend one through five, quick and strong, can guard switches, very good chase down, and weak side shot blocker. Rebounds out of his area and starts to break. Usually does not defend the opposing point guard, and that creates cross message to his advantage offensively. He could easily average a triple-double, and I think he will at some point. The concern with him will be shooting in the playoffs. They've done a good job to surround him with shooting in a dominant center. Take either of those away, and he will struggle to win. I can see him being an all-NBA and one of the best point guard wings for the next eight to ten years, much like Jalen. Final thoughts. I would take Jalen over Ben moving forward the next eight to ten years. There is very little separation on difference defensively. Both are excellent in today's game. Shooting is so important. And Jalen is clearly better and always will be, in my opinion. Both are fantastic open court players. Jalen also has a more serious workmanlike approach to improving. The last scout gave me a bunch of background stuff on Jalen, too, when they were scouting him coming out. And this is obviously not a team that took him. But um, the background stuff on Jalen was incredible. Here's one quote. Jalen responds better to coaches who address him individually rather than in a group setting. He really sees himself as an adult and would like to be treated as one. His decision to not hire an agent was a sign of him proclaiming that he is an adult. Um, he came to the influence with, or he came to the decision with very little influence from uh, from anyone outside of it. Like the back stuff, because a lot of times with Jalen, you were like, "What's going on with this guy? Like, what's his story?" And when you're young and you're maybe so determined and you are so mature, it almost can be like a turnoff to people at times, especially for athletes. Unfortunately, so I, yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised by that because I still feel like the perception around the two players is that Ben's the guy that you would want. Like if you're a Houston Rockets fan and you traded for Ben Simmons or Jalen Brown, who would you be happier about? It'd probably be Ben Simmons, right? But that I was not expecting. I mean, look, that's two of three that said that the other guy wanted to go with Ben Simmons. I'm sure he could find 10 scouts that all think it's Ben Simmons. But in the sampling of this with three different people, a lot of people have different contacts. There you go. I thought that was really interesting. So we're going to do more of those this season. Joining us, Brandon Marshall, linebacker, in the NFL, played with that Broncos team, won a Super Bowl, and now part of the Raiders coverage. And who knows, maybe a return to the league at some point. Let's start here. What's it like for the first year really being away from the NFL? It's tough, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's tough. It's hard because it's something I did my whole life. Man, I've been playing football since I was eight years old. And, um, you know, I had a pretty good career, right? I had a, I had a pretty good career. And so then for my knee to kind of start bothering me in 2018 and then it'd still not be right in 2019. And I finally get it right. And I go into 2020 thinking I'm going to get a job. The Houston Texans bring me in, but they don't sign me. Then the Philadelphia Eagles talk to me all season. Uh, the Bills talk to me most of the season, but nothing happens, man. It's, 
it's tough, man. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. It's uh, it was something I had to like really work through mentally and emotionally. So, um, you know, I'm 31 now, and and I still feel like I have you know some game left. I feel like I do. I know I do. But it's up to a team to you know really uh, believe that as well. So if we go backwards, play Nevada, and that was you know they had a run there where you were putting out some really great teams. Your fifth yeah. round pick. I mean, yeah. I'm probably you're so sick of hearing the same shit over and over again. Middle size, you know, too undersized for, for yeah. your position at linebacker. And then you put right. together, you, you know, it's a great career. I mean, it's a long yeah. career in a league that turns over guys really quick. Fifth rounder, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt or any of this stuff. So what's that like in the beginning for you when you go from, can I do this to proving myself? Like, I always think it's interesting how different the mindset is of the underdog in that spot. So what were you doing? Where were you at when you came into the league? Yeah, man, it's crazy because it's crazy you asked that. I was actually telling this story not so long ago. The fact that I came into the league as a fifth round pick and um, I felt like my opportunity with Jacksonville, uh, it wasn't a real opportunity. Um, my first preseason game, I led the team in tackles, but I got a bad grade. The grade is A through F. I want to say I got like a D or F. The second game. <laughs> wait, was it the right grade though? Or were you like, wait, maybe I am just freelancing here too much? I'm just, or were you that's just? What I, was trying to, that's what, I was making, I was making plays, right? I was making plays, but I get what he was saying with the technical, the little technical things. I understand that it'll get you beat, but I was making plays. The next game, <laughs> we played the Saints in the preseason, and I had one tackle, and I had like a, a A grade, and I'm like, all right, you know, what are you looking for? You know, what I'm saying, I, I literally did nothing. I felt like I was just standing out there on the field. <laughs> but I got an A. I was like, come on, this is not, you know, I'm I had no effect on the game. So then, you know, as the season went on, uh, I wasn't doing the best on special teams. You know, they didn't see my value then, but I really was getting cut. I got cut twice in one week. Um, I got cut on a, on a, on a Friday and I got brought back on Monday and I got cut Thursday. So that was twice in one week. By the way, do you go and, out on if you had plans for the weekend on that Friday? Do you go out or do you cancel the plans? Because some guys would be like, "I don't want to do anything," and then other guys would be like, "Now I definitely want to go out." I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I was in a time in my life where I didn't want to do anything. I didn't yeah. want to do anything. Jacksonville, Florida is not a fun place to be out like that anyway. So, you know, it wasn't like I was in Miami or anything like that. So, yeah, I really canceled my plans. I was upset, man. I'm, I ain't gonna lie, I was hurting. And my second time getting cut, I remember the the, the GM Gene Smith. He was a uh, he cut me and then he started asking me about my family. She's like, how, how's your mom doing? I was like, come on, like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me right now. You're going to sit here and, and fire me and then ask how my mom's doing. Come on, like, you got to be kidding me, bro. You got to relax. <laughs> and so. Did you tell he, him or did you just say no, man? No, I was, I was, just, sit, I was just sitting there like, because he saw my face after he fired me. He, he saw my face. I was really upset. I was livid. I was trying to be professional, though. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I, I got to be professional. I was trying to be professional. And then he, he asked me about my mom. He, he saw it because my mom moved to Virginia from Vegas at one point. Then he was like, oh, yeah, she lives in Virginia. And then he, he pulled out an encyclopedia and showed yeah, encyclopedia and showed me like where my mom was at. Or what was it? It was like a recruiting book, whatever the hell it was. He showed me like, yeah, but yeah, I used, I used to recruit this area. Da, da, da. I'm like, man, I do not give a damn. What the hell are you talking about right now? <laughs> so you just let me go. <laughs> so, so literally after that, I started driving down 95 South. Um, I got to St. Augustine and I was just trying to decide what I want to do. I'm like, well, I got, I got a degree to fall back on. You know, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. Did you have any money? Did you have a little yeah, bit of I, bonus? Yeah, like I had a, I had a sign a bonus. I had a sign a bonus and I had, 
a few game checks. So it was enough for, for a head start, you know, for sure. Um, but then um, I turned around and I was like, you know what? You know, if I go out, I'm going to go out on my terms. Because I felt like the pressure I was getting from the coaches, they didn't like how I played. But it was weird because that's how that's, they drafted me for a reason, right? And then so I decided I was trying to switch up my game to be like the other players that they liked, the other backers, but it didn't fit me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm me, right? So I got to do me, do what got me there, but also be able to take coaching and also be able to elevate myself and, and transform my game a little bit. So I turned around, man. And you know what? I was like, you know what? Hey, if I go out, I'm going to go out on my terms, um, playing how I play the game. And so they brought me back on Monday for practice squad. and. Um, you know, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny because the Broncos actually called me. No, they didn't call me. They called my agent. Tell tell my agent that they wanted me to come visit. My agent never told me. I signed back to the Jaguars practice squad. Then he told me after that, he's like, "Yeah, actually, the Broncos called you and they want you to come in." I was like, "Yo, why, why wouldn't you give me that option?" So I fired the agent. <laughs> I said in the practice squad, I was miserable in Jacksonville. Um. Then what did got, the agent say, by the way? Because like I have my agent stories too in, in my yeah. business, which you know I, I always think that this is very similar, and this is one of the yeah. rare similarities that we have with non-athletes, is that every one of us thinks our agents are supposed to be doing more, and every one of our agents think that all of us are kind of delusional about what we're able to do. I mean, unless you're yeah. at the very, very top, yeah, and, and those guys are always taken care of. And then when somebody at the bottom gets a new agent, I'll go, okay, just so you know, though, this doesn't like change your life. Like you're still going to have to do all this stuff on your own. And then they're yeah. going to maybe. So what does the agent say to you when they go, oh, by the way, like you could have maybe been in Denver, but now you're stuck in Jacksonville on the practice squad. This is fascinating. I love this stuff. So keep going. Yeah. So I asked him, I was like, I said, how come you didn't tell me, you know, like you're supposed to give me every option and let me decide this is my career. And he was like, oh, well, I thought we decided you were going to stay in Jacksonville. I'm like, look, 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 you know, obviously things change. With that new information, things change. Because I probably would have left, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because just how it was going. It was just going terrible for me. I was like, well, I might need to change the scenery. You know what I'm saying? And so he basically made the decision for me without presenting the opportunity for me, to me. You know what I'm saying? And that's one thing that I wasn't feeling. I didn't like it. You felt like, like he was saying, hey, he'll have a better chance of maybe still surviving this because they drafted him and putting him somewhere yeah. new. So he was making and a decision. I, right. And, and, and I get that. I get that because typically the team that drafts you is more invested in you right? sure. than, any, than anybody else. But at the same time, all I'm saying is you're supposed to give me every option. Give me all the options. Let me decide. And then talk me through the options. Like, look, if you go to Denver, you know what I'm saying? They're not, they didn't draft you. They might not be as invested in you. Well, if you stay in Jackson, you know what I'm saying? Just give me all the options and let me decide. Right? That's yeah. how I feel. And he never did that. So anyway, I ended up letting him go. Um, I hired a new agent. And um, my new agent actually found out from the Jags, I guess, that they, they thought I had a bad attitude, which was crazy because that's nobody's ever said that in my life. I'm like, oh, that's just an excuse. So that's what the issue was with me. They thought I had a bad attitude. Right. Is there any that's chance crazy. that they were right, that you were pissed off and that it was the beginning and, and maybe you didn't realize it, but you were giving off a vibe? Like, I'm not trying to challenge maybe. you on this. It wasn't yeah, around. No, but, maybe. You know. No, 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 maybe. One thing about me, I'm, look, I'm very coachable. I'm, I'm open to, you know, other opinions. Maybe, because it was some times where I just felt like they was playing favorites. Um, 
I wish it was there, man. If you was there, you'd be like, all right. All well, they right, went, he, what? He's not two, tripping. Because I'm like, how they was doing? We was 2-14. and 2-14, two two right. It was terrible, man. It was just a bad situation. Uh, it was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst. Did you have friends from that team? I got two friends. Uh, one of my homies, his name is Julian Stafford. He still plays. And my other uh, friend was Antoine Blake. He played for a while. which still is as well. Because I was going to say, if you told me you had zero friends from that group, I'd be like, well, I don't know. I don't know who to believe now. Because then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no I had a couple. Of, yeah, I had a couple of friends, man. Yeah. I had a couple of friends. Even Terrence Knight, uh, Pot Roast. Pot yeah, Roast that's one right. Of my guys. Yeah. So there's not so, going to be any two and 14 reunions that 10 years no, coming up. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely not. That, that's okay. terrible. So then you, you actually end up in Denver. So yeah, take me through that transition because that's when you became a guy that, you know, football fans started an L, which I think is the, the cool yeah. part of your story. Yeah. So, uh, Jacksonville cut me a third time and, um, they wanted me to stay on the practice squad and they asked me if I would stay. I said, yes, I need to keep my, keep a job. Right. I was playing, I was playing the game. I'm like, they said, you want to stay? I was like, yeah. Even though in my head, I was like, nah, I'm out of here. Um, then Oakland called, well, then Denver called me. They said, we want you on practice squad. Then Oakland called me, wanted me on practice squad. So I was like, okay, I'm weighing my options. I called Terrence Knighton. You know, Pot Russell's in Denver at that time. He was like, yo, bro, I think you should come over here. You know what I'm saying? You have an opportunity to learn and grow and yada, yada, yada. And so I was going to choose Oakland because I felt like they were, maybe I would have got up on the active roster faster. because they, they weren't as talented as Denver. But I thought it was the same situation. They were losing. You know, it's a lot of turnover when you lose. Head coach get fired. So I was like, let me go to a stable place. I went to Denver and they love me. Oh man, I was I was on practice squad and I was getting scout team player of the week. Like out of out of out of the 16 weeks I was on scout team, I probably got the scout team player of the week at least eight times. Like at least half of those weeks. I was killing it. I was killing it, man. And um, you know, I always say this, man, I I I appreciate Adam Gase and Peyton Manning for showing me love because I really truly believe that they're part of the reason why I got up on the active roster. So because of what you were doing in scout team against Gase and Manning? Oh, man. Look, look Adam Gase would come up to me before give me your best. Give me your best scout team story going up against Peyton. And then um, I, I obviously have to ask you a Gase story. because Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, man, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I picked them off once in practice, but you know what? Once or twice, but it was one time we was on the red zone, right? We was in the red zone, and and um, he was like calling us audible. He was switching his formation, whatever he did. And as he was doing it, I was I kind of like looked at the whole the whole picture, and I looked at where the running back was and the formation, and I said, "It's a sprint out, sprint out, sprint out," right? I told everybody, "Sprint out, sprint out." Hayden stopped from his cadence, looked at me. Me mugged me, and then snapped the ball, and it, it proceeded to spread out. It was a spread out, like a little rollout pass, and I knew it. And the crazy way, the crazy thing is, because I never forget how he looked at me. He's like, "How this motherfucker know what this is?" You know. And I just think I was just locked in. I was I was dialed in. Man, Denver developed me. You know what I'm saying? Like they called it the development team. I I feel like I developed on that practice squad. It was it was it was just a, it was just night and day. You know what I mean? So. Um, I got paid on that one. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here as somebody that that doesn't know the answer, which is the reason I'm asking it. But I imagine there's there's a bit of a hierarchy on like who can 
make the call though. I mean, I know that look, there's yeah. middle linebackers and safeties that, that make your calls and all that kind of stuff. But if you're on the, are you, because you're on the practice squad, like what if you get that wrong? What if you, what if you call sprint out and it's like, again, that's not your call, but you're recognizing the play yeah. and you're wrong about it. Like, I can't imagine they'd want three different guys screaming and guessing on defense about what the, <laughs> what the play is going to be. Nah, you know what? It, it, to be honest, if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. But the scout team, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're trying to beat us. That we're supposed to lose to them anyway, yeah. right? They they draw a place for us to get beat by them, you know. So, but it's, if I'm right, then it's like, oh shit, you know, he's right. You know, what I'm saying like, look at this kid, you know. But if I'm wrong, it just doesn't matter because they they score a touchdown. Okay, next period, <laughs> you know. Gase right now. No one can believe this guy's been a head coach twice. His press yeah. conferences are weird. He looks weird. His quotes are weird. All of it seems yeah. weird. You know the guy. Yeah. What do we that yeah. don't know anything about him need to understand? Because I, I, if this guy gets uh, another head coaching gig, like people are going to lose their minds. I love Adam Gase. See? I love Gase. I love Gase, man. He was always good to me, always solid, always competitive. You know, he used to come up to me before practice like, yo, I got some plays today. I'm going to beat you. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, like he was competitive, he was lighthearted, good energy. He was smart. You know, I, I don't know what happened between Denver and uh, what was his first head coach job? Miami, the, the Dolphins. What well, did they go to the playoffs? They went to playoffs one year with with Gase, I think. Uh, I thought they won like ten games one year, but yeah, ten first games. Year, yeah, yeah, yeah they won I'll ten look games it up while we're doing this. I, yeah, I'm not sure what 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 happened, but I know it's a lot of variables with that. You know. Um, well, he was he was great, man, in Denver. He was great, man. I, I loved him. And um, you know, they lost the wild card game to Pittsburgh. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was kind of it was kind of weird for me to see him in that press conference with his eyes looking crazy. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> okay, that's not the Adam I know. All right, so that Super Bowl team with Denver, you you were second to Danny uh, Trevathan in tackles that year. Yeah, I remember you know being on the air watching Peyton every week, and you're like, okay, it's over. But that defense was so – what was that like to know that you had to carry that team, even though Peyton's still the headliner, but he's just not close physically to what he was even a couple years prior to that? Yeah, yeah. You know what, man? I'm I'm be honest with you. We loved it. Yeah, we loved it, man. I'm not going to lie to you. We, we enjoyed it, every minute of it. Um, we knew um, – we fully knew and we fully loved the fact that the game was on us week in and week out, you know. The coin, you know, they say they, they coined the phrase defense wins championship, right? Uh, we truly won that championship. <laughs> we truly won that championship. And, you know, and, and that's no offense to the offense because they did that, they put up their points. We had firepower, you know, it was just some issues with Peyton, you know, some issues. He wasn't uh, as fresh as he used to be, right? So, I mean, although we had the Mayo Sanders and the, and the uh, Demarius Thomases, and, you know, we had those guys, CJ Anderson, um, our offense just didn't have the firepower that we were we were accustomed to having. And in my head, I kind of thought maybe part of that was also uh, Kubiak's offense, but I'm not really sure, you know, because he was trying to put Peyton on the center more. But, I mean, it worked out. You know what I'm saying? It worked out. But we love we loved that the game was on our shoulders. What did you plan for against Cam in that, that week leading up? Like, what was the number one thing that you guys were trying to think about? Or Because a lot of you guys... We'll know by, you know, as you're implementing the game plan, looking at the film. I mean, look, you can end up losing a game you thought you were going to win, but a lot of you guys will have like a really clear thing of like, okay, this is what we know we're going to be able to do against this guy. So what was that lead up like for that? Man, you know what? Um, We knew we could just play cover four. Simple. 
Like, we literally watched all of his games. We watched, and then so Keep Talib was like, yo, I want y'all to go on your iPad, look at all the teams, the defenses that they played against, and tell me what defenses are really actually good. And I'm like, damn, like, they play against all these teams whose defenses are just regular, you know, basic, whatever. We, and we know who we, who we were, right? So we play cover four, right? And so, so what, what they like to do is they like to block them up. So they like to, you know, keep the running back in and keep the tight end in, run like two-man routes or three-man routes. So in our cover four, when I have maybe the, flat, the curl flat or the middle zone, we would blitz. So we would make it look like it was a blitz, but we was just running cover four because we knew they liked to max protect and throw two man routes with Cam. And so we just had to put that pressure on them and it worked. So you guys thought it was a layup. Oh man, we didn't think it was going to be that hard as you know, obviously like we respected them because of how many points they was putting up. Cam was MVP. They were scoring. They was playing the second half comebacks that they put together in that, that second half of that season was incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we never took it for granted. We never said, okay, it's going to be easy. But after, you know, watching them that film and we just felt extremely confident in, in who we were. It was like, oh yeah, uh, we're, we're going to beat them. That's what we know. I really do think that defense, you know, there are other defenses that get more, but what you put together for a couple year run there. And then I still feel like the personnel was great. It's just the offense yeah. was so bad. You know, yeah. after Peyton, you're just trying to get yeah. marginal quarterback play and you weren't getting it. So who's the best defensive player you've ever played with? The best defensive player I've ever played with? Oh, man, that's tough. See, I thought the it was going to be easy. best defensive player I've ever played against, I've, I've ever played with. With, with, yeah. Oh, uh, man. You know, I, he probably thought it was easy because he probably thought I was going to say Von Miller. Yeah, um, that's what I thought you were going to say. Ah, uh, man. I'm, it's a toss-up between him and Aqib Tlaib, man. Aqib Tlaib is phenomenal. <laughs> He's phenomenal. All right, so what, why was Tlaib different? Because he was, but for you. Because, well, first of all, he's extremely smart. That's what people don't really recognize. He's a very smart, a very smart player, a very smart individual at that. He's very smart. His technique is really good. And he has great athleticism. So... Some corners like, you know, like, uh, like Dominique, Dominique Rogers Camardi, DRC, right? He's more of a, I'm, I'm just fast, so my technique could be just whatever, you know. Akeem was locked in on his technique, and he was athletic, and he was smart. So that's why he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You know what I'm and saying? And he was huge. I mean, he was huge. That's what I'm saying. 6'1", six, 6'2", six, a big corner. I seen him lock up Megatron. Well, not necessarily lock him up, but. He's really kind of shut down Megatron for Megatron standards, right? Shut down Julio Jones. He, he, AJ Green, like this guy is, is, is my favorite corner that I played with. I'm not gonna lie. Well, actually, no, Champ Bailey's number one. Keeps number two. Wow, that was quick. Okay. <laughs> so, so do this for me. Um, were people afraid of Talib a little bit too? Cause he was like a real dude. Is, is there an element of that where, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard so. to imagine, you know, 50 guys running around having anybody be yeah. too afraid of somebody else. But he always felt like a dude that yeah. you never quite knew. Yeah. I mean, I think most people just he just commanded like a different respect. You know, he, he was uh, he was loud, but like he backed up his talk. You know, he was he just wasn't all talk with it. He was he was loud, but he was putting in the work. You know, he was doing what he needed to do, man. He was he, he would talk because, you know, he, he likes to talk, but he was. 
he was a guy you could count on. You know, day in and day out. Practice, I'm talking about too, not just the game. You can count on him in practice, you know. So um, I think he had like a different type of respect. I think some receivers probably feared him because it's how he would like line up and he'll talk to them, you know, he'll be, you know, but he's actually funny too. He's real lighthearted, funny, but he commands a different respect than a lot of people. Yeah. I had DeMarcus Ware on before and he said when he decided to sign there, like he looked at Tlaib and like Tlaib, they were on the same flight out yeah. and he had never talked to him, never hung out with him or anything like that. And then right. he, he thought like, he was like, wait, why is Tlaib flying to Denver? And then he, Tlaib was like, are you signing here? He's like, maybe. He's like, well, if you sign yeah. here, I'll sign. Look, I mean, you guys, you guys are nuts. I've always just loved Vaughn Miller because I yeah. think physically, he just looks different. I, I've had these yeah. different theories that I feel like his hips are lower to the ground, like he has shorter yeah. legs and his torso's abnormally huge, so that he can get yeah. like forty-five degrees and still pop back up. Like I, he's got like it weird superhuman like dimensions it, that I've never seen. Go ahead. No, it, actually, you said that that makes sense. He does have a longer torso. Cause he's taller, right? But he has a longer torso. His legs aren't as long. Yeah. But but they're huge. They're, yeah. You know his legs are huge, but he could get down to the the way he can bend is ridiculous. This is what the I'm way saying. He can bend. Yeah. Oh, he can bend. He can bend like crazy. He, his athletic ability is ridiculous. Like he's the best athlete, you know, like that that I play with, like athletic wise. Is he a hillbilly he's, he's though? Tough to be is he a bit of a hillbilly? What's that? What's a hillbilly? He's got like chicken. Yeah, he's got like his yeah, chicken farm. Yeah, he's country, <laughs> man. Yeah, he's country as hell, man. Ron is country, man. He bought us all cowboy hats. He bought, you know what I'm saying? He's a country dude. He loves the farm. And like you said, he's got chickens. He like, he's a cowboy, you know? So it's kind of different, but. He, I love that like it's real. Yeah, that's what, yeah, I, that's what I like about it. It's not, he's not, it's not bullshitting. Okay, right. so as as we'll get to like any of your transition here, and you just said, hey, I think I have a lot of game left. This game yeah. is, is cruel because once they feel like you're dinged up, no one even, like nobody even wants to give you a shot. Is that how you yeah. feel right now? Yeah, 100%. Nobody even, and even though like, you know, teams were taking my calls or teams were, were interested, you know, I think a couple of factors this year, the COVID, it took you like six days to even get into the building. Right. Also, they're like, well, you know, I don't know if we want to give him a shot because he's, you know, he was hurt. We don't. The last film on him wasn't his best film, so we don't know what we want to do with this guy. Um, but you know, I've been staying in shape. I've been training this whole year. You know, the whole year plus, honestly. And um, you know, I'm hoping for another shot, man. I'm, I'm hoping the game hasn't passed me by yet. I'm hoping for another opportunity to show, uh, you know, that I'm healthy and I can still play this game at a high level. So you were working, as you said, off the top, um, doing some of the Raider stuff this year. So yeah. what's that been like? Do, do you do you enjoy? I know a lot of guys want to. Hey, man, I like talking the game. I still want to be around the game. Maybe I'll get back in yeah. and that kind of thing. But it's also going to be kind of tough too. I mean, I know I've been doing this a long time, and and I think some former players just step right in and go, ah, "I'll be fine." And then they're like, "Oh, wait, there's a little bit more to this." And I know it's mm -hmm. not necessarily like a full time thing, but but how's that been at least for you, kind of seeing it from that angle? Uh, I like it. I'm not gonna lie, I like it. It's it's. Um... It's, it's different. I mean, for me, it's kind of it's kind of like second nature because, you know, I can just sit there and I could talk the game. You know, um, you know, I, I do it on Channel Eight. I don't read off a teleprompter. You know, I don't get you know uh, time to write things down and 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 have it said. I really just they ask me a question and I can go and I can go off my knowledge and 
Um, you know, a couple of things I do want to do, like a couple of seminars and, and some boot camps and stuff like that to improve. But I think, you know, it's it's fun. So I'll be honest with you. I see why you guys do it. It's fun. I like I like radio. I like TV. I like I love it all. And, um, you know, it, it kind of makes me happy, man. It doesn't give me that same thrill as a game or that same type of deal. Yeah, but... it's not quite as thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not as thrilling, but it uh, um, it's something that I enjoy doing, I say. So, you know, to kind of ease the pain and not play. Yeah, the worst day is not that bad is how I look at it. So you saw the Chiefs lose to, to the Raiders up close. Yeah, and yeah. I ask everybody, especially guys that play defense, is there anything that you see? Is there anything that you would say, hey, look, it may not work, but this should be your game plan against the Chiefs defensively and then having the personnel that actually can back it up? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say outside the Falcons, the Raiders is probably the only team that really played them well um, defensively. You know, um, I know it's kind of kind of a high score game, but uh, I want to say if, if if my mind is correct, I want to say it was more. I don't think they were. I mean, I've noticed they ran some man coverage, but it seemed like it was a lot of cover three. Um, you know, I, I, I think they, they ran like a lot of cover three. Um, they, they mixed it in some man. Um, they had some trap coverages. I think they were doing a lot to kind of confuse Mahomes, you know, his, his, a uh, couple of his interceptions were uh, actually played, you know, against the Raiders. Yeah. So I think they did some things to confuse him a little bit because he usually doesn't make those type of mistakes like that. Can you even look at his eyes then? I mean, I know that's what you guys kind of default to, especially your position, you know, you're Roman a little bit more as a linebacker. Um, yeah. but you know, look, you still have to look at his eyes just because he throws some no look passes. You can't, but I, I just, I'd love to know what anybody thinks could actually consistently work against him for 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's tough because it, it, it seems like in the fourth quarter, he always finds a way. Yeah. The last drive, the last – if you put the ball in his hands, it, it seems like he finds a way. And so, yes, you read his eyes. Um, he's good at looking you off. He's good at – he's good at everything. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> he's good at everything, man. So I know he, he, he'll throw us no look, but a lot of times he's really good at looking you off. And that's probably where he got the no-look pass from. Like, okay, I'm looking the safety off, but I know I'm throwing over here. And he probably just started trying that in practice. You know what I'm saying? And so in the game, now he looks off, looks off, and he and he's right on top. You know what I'm saying? And he gets his target. So when you're looking at – this is something I always talk with Chad Dilfer about, right? Because I feel like the numbers are so out of control that yeah. we'll talk up quarterbacks and be like, hey, this – this guy threw for 350 and three touchdowns, and he's awesome. And I'm, yeah. I've never been more convinced how empty some of these numbers are. I mean, the same thing's happened in basketball a little bit too. But do you can you look at the playoff quarterbacks and say, okay, this guy can beat anybody, and this guy's like a product of the system. Like Goff is always kind of the default one that we've brought up in the past yeah. where you go, he's not reading the full field. McVay's completely in control of what's going on there, and they've done a good job with him, and he's physical enough. Uh, his abilities are enough to kind of keep up with the rest of the stuff, but when you look at like a Josh Allen, do you go, oh, that guy's a nightmare, or there's some holes there? Like, Take me through some of the guys that maybe you're really, really yeah. impressed with, and some others you feel are maybe a little more propped up. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, Josh Allen. I'm extremely impressed with Josh Allen. You know, uh, his development this first three years in the league is, is, is outstanding. Um, they did a hell of a job getting them digs, man. And and Josh is making all the throws. He's he's running he's running well. I, I think he's I think he's definitely in the MVP conversation. Um, Aaron Rodgers could beat anybody. He could beat anybody, man. You know, and he what about Baker? Be 
because uh, I, nah, I already nah, know nah. Rogers is good. Okay, all right. So wait a minute. Bacon, There's yeah, a tone. Bacon, nah, nah. What, nah, what nah, what's nah. up here? This their, your back, tone completely is, changed. Uh, they had coach came in and he did a, he did a good job with Baker Mayfield. I think he's a product of the, of the system. You know, he's definitely a product of the system. Baker is not someone who I see as an elite quarterback or or will be an elite quarterback. I mean, he could. You know, you never know. Anything could happen. But you know, I don't get that vibe from him. You know what I'm saying? I don't get that vibe from him. Like, Mitch Trubisky is, you know, he's lucky to have a good head coach, right? Um, like you said, golf. There's a reason that they do playoff, uh, I'm sorry, play action so many times, more than any other team, because that's, it's going to help Jared Goff. The playoff action, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the... Um, play action, uh, yeah. what, The play action. Oh, well, it is the playoffs, so maybe that'll be a new yeah. term. <laughs> <laughs> the, the play action helps golf tremendously. That's why they do it. You know, that's his thing. Um, if they didn't, if they had a, 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 you know, like a Mahomes, it wouldn't be so much play action. I'm telling you, it might be McVay, but McVay has done a hell of a job with golf. Um, who else is in the playoffs? Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously Ben Roethlisberger has been, you know, Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill, that's an interesting one. Tannehill, I think he's improved. I think he's improved. He still definitely has holes, but he definitely improved from Miami to, to Tennessee. I think it was with that benching or that, you know, when they let him go or the trade, whatever happened to him, I think that set off something in his mind. And, and I want to say that it elevated his game a little bit. Also, he has Derrick Henry. Shit. I mean. <laughs> Why know, is their the defense guy? so bad? I, I I saw, I like to go and look at like man-to-man zone, but I also think like if you're really good yeah. and you play man-to-man all the time, people are like, oh, it's because they play man-to-man. But then there's plenty uh, of teams that play man-to-man that suck. And it doesn't, it's not scheme. It's, it's usually, but they're, I thought it was interesting because I've been looking at it all year long. At one point, they were allowing 60% of third-down conversions. They finished the season last. It's like 51 52%. Yeah. I get that they're a playoff team, and they have a really good record. But, God, like when I watch them get burnt over and over and over again, yeah. it, it scares me in picking them long-term. Look, you can't be a man team if you have no pass rush. I'm, I promise you. Because rush and coverage go hand-in-hand. Hand, yep. you know? So if you, if you want to run man, you better look. Our Super Bowl year, we ran man. We did a lot of man, a lot of man, a lot of cover. We because had, you had unbelievable ends in exactly. Line. Yeah, right, right. absolutely. It was crazy. So if the Titans don't, because first of all, Clown is not getting home, and he gets a lot of money for not getting home. You know, I know he affects the game in different ways, but he doesn't get home. So I mean, they run a lot of man, but nobody's getting home. So I mean, they're going to get torched at some point. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and Clowney had the meniscus thing too. So, yeah. all right, yeah. I'll end on this one. Who who were your Super Bowl picks before the season started, and then how is how's that holding up? And then we'll ask you to kind of reset it now. The playoffs are going. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, actually uh, the, the Seahawks and the Chiefs before the season started. Okay, and how and, you feeling? You know, I'm I'm definitely going Chiefs still. Um, I kind of want to see the Bills play the Chiefs in the championship. I want to see that. That'd be interesting. But uh, I got Chiefs. And, um, you know, they got to go through Lambeau, man. I got the Packers, Chiefs and Packers in the Super Bowl. I think they're both the number one seeds. So you're going chalk. You're going chalk with both. That's fine. I, I think I'm going to be picking yeah. the Chiefs for, like, the next 10 years. So I'll just go ahead and preview. <laughs> right. It's not, not going to yeah, matter. Man, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Who's going to beat them? They're just going to have to – they'll have to have, like, a turnover of personnel and maybe a couple lean drafting yeah. years where defensively right. – like, I never will worry about the weapons. He could turn – you know, dudes from Purdue into number one options 
no offense yeah. to the Boilermakers who used to run that spread <laughs> before anybody was doing it, but I was just trying to think yeah. of like a school that hasn't put a ton of skill guys in lately, but this means now a bunch of Purdue people are going to get pissed at me because I randomly said Purdue. All right. Um, <laughs> that's Brandon Marshall. You got, where can we find your stuff? Uh, follow you. Yeah, yeah, just keep yeah. up. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at bmarsh, uh, two H's, B-M-A-R-S-H-H. So yeah, hit me on that. I really appreciated this, man. It was a lot of fun. Hey. I still am uh, laughing thinking you. about Gene Smith asking about your mom after he cut you. I was just That's dying crazy. from the jump. I can't believe so. it. <laughs> I can't believe it, dog. Enjoy the weekend, man. Wild. Thank you. Thank you. You too, man. But cool. Thanks a lot, man. I, re- I oh, had yeah, a lot no. of fun with that. That was a lot of fun. We'll do it again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm with that. I enjoyed it. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Okay, we're going to crank it up here a bit here on the Life Advice. LifeAdviceRR at gmail.com. There's a level. We had one that was, um, was pretty interesting, Kyle, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know how deep into the 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 abyss i want to go with some of the topics so uh we'll uh we'll go a little pg-13 here with this one okay love the podcast um my one critique is that you are having the wrong effect on kyle sometimes when i'm feeling really awful i just want to hear your life advice and his timestamps are always in the wrong places wow just coming at kyle what's that all about you know what let me just explain this to america this is called dynamic ad insertion which means we don't bake these ads in anymore. This is a new way of making money. So uh, I don't know what ads are going in and and they're going to change from time to time. So I'm going to get it as close as I can. And uh, other than that, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Okay, there you go, Kyle. And that's that's Kyle hitting you with the truth, America. So there you go. Like that. Okay. Uh, He said he was just messing around. All right, here we go. College student, 21, about to graduate in the spring, have already been accepted to a job as an engineer programmer starting in... Uh, next August. I just want to email in because I think I need help, but I'm not sure what to do. My first problem is I smoke weed a fuck ton. Basically every day during breaks, like this holiday break. I just had a recent break of my ex-girlfriend of one and a half years, and I used my uh, my uses upticked a lot since then. I've quit for stretches like three plus months long when I needed to focus on school and stuff, but I always come back to it. I think it just helps me with that anxiety and terrible guilt I feel all the time. My second problem is that I'm addicted and obsessed with sex. I'm not saying this to brag or anything because I seriously feel really ashamed and awful inside. It's actually not hard to find people who want to have sex if you scour the message boards on Craigslist, join anonymous groups in your area, and swipe a lot on Tinder. Obviously, this has all gone down during the pandemic, and I abstained from all of this during my relationship, so he wants to let us know he's not a cheater, but he's just super into weed and and knocking boots. Um, but when I was uh, when I was am single, it goes really out of control. I think so often about sex that I even sometimes think it would be so cool to be in porn or something where I could even get paid. Okay. That would be, that would be a pivot from the engineering stuff. And <laughs> totally. I think there's probably a lot of people. Yeah. I think there'd be a lot of people that would be more interested, but just family reunions alone, weddings, they'd be like, Hey, how's work? That's Rick. He does porn. You know, and he comes over, he's like, Hey everybody. Like, Hey Rick, we're all going to talk about you as soon as you walk away. All right, so you know, I think that's I think that's why probably more people that would do it, but you know, again, family reunions, jamming dudes up. 
All right. I think I need to seek help for this, but I'm not sure exactly what the risks are for this behavior since I'm always very careful about protection. The thing is, uh, there haven't been any negative consequences so far of my behavior. I know I always know when to cut the degenerate shit out and focus when it comes to school. I earned a 3.82 GPA majoring in engineering. Shout out high GPAs out there. All of you. Pour one out. Uh, minoring in math. Engineering is not easy, as anyone who's never taken a class can attest to. Um, I am moving to California for my job after graduation where weed is legal, and I think this might make it worse for me. Not sure what to do. Also, I think it'd be awesome to hook up with girls in California, especially those I can smoke with. So literally in one sentence, you're worried about it, and you're like, man, I can't wait to get going and just smoke a ton of weed out there. Is this living <laughs> Is living this kind of lifestyle sustainable? No, is, is the quickest answer. I've come into work high numerous times in the past couple of years and no one ever notices. Sometimes I almost relate really hard to Justin Blackman or Josh Gordon. Okay. I have a talent and skill in science and research and engineering, but I can't get out of my own way with this shit and it's going to catch up to me. Do you have any friends that live like this? Not anymore. No, you start at 45, the number of guys that you're friends with, uh, better. You're like, yeah, you know what? Um, Actually, Reese Davis was out of control. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just trying to think of a random name that like would be the absolute last guy that you would ever think of this. So let's um let's not do the obvious stuff, okay? Let's not do that's not where you're coming here because the, the obvious stuff would just say, "Hey, man, stop smoking so much weed. Don't do this stuff. It's not safe." And okay, because you already know that. You already know that. You're clearly a smart guy. Three point eight two. What's up? But you're you're having some guilt about it, right? You're feeling a little guilty about it. Okay, so uh. I lived with guys that the last apartment I think I ever lived in, I think it was the end of 02 into 03. And then at the start of 03, I lived on a friend's couch for about three months until I finally moved into a place of my own. And I haven't had a roommate ever since. And the reason I went to go sleep on this guy's couch is because I was at one point, um, prior to, uh, prior to that move, I was living in this, this kind of dumpy area of Boston with a couple other guys. And, you know, everybody likes to smoke weed. It was never my thing, but I'm telling you, like I could see it. Like they, if they didn't have weed around, it wasn't going to happen. Now we all know, um, that of all the things you could do, weed is, is not even close to being the worst one. Uh, I'm not going to turn this into a pro cannabis podcast, but what I'm just telling you is like, it, look, I never, it was, wasn't ever anything I was interested in. It just wasn't, didn't do it for me. Um, yes, if people decided to just smoke weed at night and not get shit faced, then people probably be a lot safer and all that. Like, I don't feel like debating any of those things. Cause I think most of us just get it without getting to any of that point. So it could be a phase. It could be a phase. You could be 21. Oh my God, I smoke weed all the time. And then it's like 25, 26. You kind of get it out of your system. You start to feel more guilt that you're already feeling at 21. I mean, the fact you're even feeling any guilt at 21 and you don't think you're awesome for doing this. Um, I actually think is a really good sign. That's a good sign that you already like the fact that you sent in this email, I would say most guys in your situation right now wouldn't even think they were doing anything wrong. And if they did and didn't really know what to do, they wouldn't even write the email. So I'd actually give yourself a little, little pat on the back for going, Hey, you know what? This probably isn't cool. Cause eventually it's not going to be cool. Okay. Eventually it isn't going to be cool. Eventually you are going to find somebody on Craigslist. You're going to end up in a parking lot with no pants on and your wallet missing. Okay. Um, I don't know how you even mess with those sites. I'm not talking about the mainstream dating websites, but you know, some of that, some of that classified stuff out there that, that creeps on the internet. I don't know. I mean, if that's your thing and, and it's worked out for you. All right. But clearly you don't like doing it all the time. Um, clearly, even though you like being high, you know that you can't keep doing this all the time and showing up to work and nobody noticing it. Like it, 
it actually makes sense, especially for like somebody who's engineering and math and you're probably just figuring stuff out and nobody would notice. But I remember, you know, let, let me put it this way. For those of you that are younger and you've made some kind of mistake and it doesn't even have to be a huge, huge mistake. You know what I mean? You get too drunk on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and your family's pissed at you because you're hungover and they're giving you a hard time or, you know, maybe something that's not the most serious, but a little bit more serious happened. The older people in your life are going to be giving you a lot of shit for it, or at least they should be. They are because they've been around. And this is the part where being older, where the person who's been around is right. And they're doing this because they care about you. And they're getting on your case because they've seen bad things happen to friends or loved ones throughout their life. Because what will happen with most people is you, you go through this phase and then you're out of it. And that's what it is. But the older people are always worried about the people that get progressively worse. And it's not a phase that, hey, I'm smoking weed every day and I'm doing this. And then it's like, okay, but when you start to form these bad habits, you either get so sick of them that you break them, or this is just the foundation of a really fucked up lifestyle for the next 10, 20 years. I'm serious with this stuff. It's kind of like, you know, an older person can see a young guy, you know, drink and then he'll be like, hey, you know what? Like, I've got buddies. And the first thing the young guy says is, oh, fuck off. Like, get away from me. You know, I don't want to hear it. Like, give me a break. You know, just because you guys in WWII, you know, like, I don't want to hear it. But what that guy is doing is saying, hey, you have some, you have some tendencies here or you have something going on with you that if you don't correct this, that it's going to end up being a much bigger problem. And so that's where you got to kind of give shout out to the older people because they've seen bad stuff happen to relatives. They've seen stuff happen where it was when the guy was in his 20s and doing stuff that was kind of stupid. You know what it isn't? It's, it's just, it's not not stupid anymore in your 30s. It's just like a total turnoff. So, you know, maybe you have a couple more years in you of this. Maybe the guilt won't kick in. But if you're turning like 29 and 30 and you're still doing this all the time and you're single... And your buddies aren't calling you back as much or your family's kind of like, what the hell's going on? And then maybe one day you smoke a ton of weed before you go to work and somebody smells it on you. Now, all of a sudden, people are like, hey, that's the guy that smokes weed every day. Then he comes into work um, and maybe no one will care in California. I don't know. But the fact that you even are thinking this right now is is probably a positive. But for anyone else listening, I, I think there's always this most most times most people can screw around for a little while get it out of their system, and then they're kind of good to go. And yeah, there's always this grass is always greener, like, oh, maybe I got married too early, or maybe I should have done this, or maybe I should have, you know, look, after I read the Motley Crue book, I was like, I don't think I'd go out enough. <laughs> but I know that in working in bars and having an extended adolescence myself, that there will be people around you where you're like, this is funny until it isn't really funny anymore. And that's when it becomes a much bigger bummer or much, much more of a guilt ridden existence than anything you're going through right now. So maybe it, maybe in a year, maybe at 25, maybe at 30, you're over it. But if it's 35 and like shit didn't feel like it worked out, you know, whose fault is it? Kyle? Well, I'd say, uh, really only on the weed part of this, uh, when you get to California, you're not going to be able to stay out of the shops because it's so cool coming from a place where it's not legal. Um, that's fine. But then it becomes, I think, sort of like a bottle of whiskey on the shelf. Like it's not like all the time. It's just sort of like you keep it in a box and you and you go to it. I think it I think that part will probably fall away. And then the last part, um, even though you think nobody knows, 
at work. Sometimes I think maybe somebody knows. I worked with a guy <laughs> who uh, thought nobody knows. And when he left, he was like, that guy was always high. And I was like, yeah, that's so funny. He thought nobody knew. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. All right. I love that. Okay, let's do one more. Okay, um, here we go. Let me set the stage for you. I'm 34. Father of two. Beautiful morning. He's in Celebration, Florida. Take my kids to our local outdoor courts. That's right. They have courts in Florida. I still want to know what Florida's doing. What's going on down there? They just decide like, hey, yeah, just we're not, we're just pretending none of, nothing's going on. Okay, my kids are three and six. We get there in empty court. Perfect. I'm shooting around. My kids are riding their scooters. And in this moment, life's really good. About 20 minutes in, cool guy, maybe 20, pulls up on the mom and dad Mercedes. Okay, all right. Rocking some Nike Monarchs, black tee, black shorts, some gray tights underneath. My man pulls out a huge Bluetooth speaker and moseys onto the court like he owns a joint, sets up his speaker and proceeds to play some hardcore rap music. My guy was clearly ready to hoop. Now, look. I'm not so far out of my youth that I can't appreciate some good music while getting some shots up. All right, we're all on the same page. But my guy clearly sees me out there with both my kids and thinks to himself, I bet this dad and his two kids are really wanting to listen to some little Yachty or whatever else he chose to play. Regardless, I'm at a loss for words. I don't want to come across as the old man telling the kid not to turn his music off. But what is the guy supposed to do in this situation? What is the proper court etiquette? Uh, by the way, P.S., my guy was trash. I'm 34 with two kids and would have smoked him. <laughs> <laughs> did he say monarchs yeah uh, why is he talking about air monarchs yeah okay what do you think he was talking about my dad wears those to walk around i don't know uh yeah that's actually yeah what what the fuck my mind is blown now great call kyle uh why was he wearing if he's 20, little Yachty, gray tights underneath. Did he describe him as gray flint tights? No, just gray tights. I was going to say this is an incredible email. All right, tough one. Dilemma. This is a dilemma. My first instinct after reading the email is that once he sucked, then you tell him to turn it down. <laughs> if you were really good. If you were really, like, I'm serious. The first thing I thought I was like, oh, if he sucked, yeah, tell him to turn it down. I was like, if he looks like he's got some some game, the handle's kind of tight, he's sitting fadeaways, kind of looking down every now and then to see if you saw that he hit a, you know, ridiculous pull up off the dribble, then you got to, you got to respect it and, you know, just, just have your kids listen to a little Yachty for the day. Tough one, tough one, because, um, you know, there's, there's an element of being young where you just like fuck everybody else. You just are. And it's, it's lame. You know, I remember one time we went to a movie once and it was so stupid what we were doing. We were like throwing a football around in a movie theater and we thought it was funny. We were like 20 and I still think about it 25 years later. And I was like, that's such, that's such a shitty thing that you did. And we just didn't care. It was like a dumb movie. And we started throwing a football around. We thought it was hilarious. And now I'm, I still feel bad about it 25 years later because like <laughs> some older guy was like, all right, dude. And he was right. He was right. <laughs> and that's what, I don't know. I don't know why guys do that sometimes you're trying to show off for girls when you're at that age i mean look that doesn't necessarily stop but i i guess there's a way there's a way you could have said hey dude look i totally get it and then you start trying to you start trying to like connect with them like is that the new baby? oh no my bad yeah yeah no, that, <laughs> that shit's fire just like your monarchs so I guess there's kind of a way you could approach it. But the problem is, is if the guy is that 
ridiculous about it, he's probably not going to be cool about it either. Like if he's willing to size up the situation and then go, all right, well, now I'm going to crank up this hardcore rap early in the morning while there's a, what were he's talking about? A three and a six-year-old. And he has no self-awareness on that, that he thinks he's, what he's doing is cool. If you go to approach him, he's probably going to piss you off even more and be like, whatever, man, I need, I need my beats. Because there is a development now with all the Bluetooth stuff and the speakers and all. Like, I think it's cool that music is everywhere. <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't need this much music everywhere. And the beach. Yeah. Yeah. The beach part is the beach where I'm at. It's, it's not that bad. It's, it's more like the bike path, like everybody's cranking. But again, when the bike passes you, it's not like you're listening to it the entire time, but there's just been a, uh, there's been a, a, a growth in hearing other people's music with the access to smaller and smaller Bluetooth speakers. So I think you could have turned it down a little bit. I mean, the other thing you could do, so you don't have to ever confront that if you're on the Hooper side of this thing, like, where's some earbuds, man? I mean, come on. There's like a yeah, million wireless different now. right now. Yeah, wireless. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, I was sitting there tucking an iPod into my back pocket of my shorts then running the wire down the back of my spine into it to try to keep as much freedom on my shot as possible. And then, of course, like any movement that was, you know, trying to do something else. When I was trying to perfect that Kobe fake baseline dribble baseline turn thing where he leaves the ball in the air, turns back to the middle and then comes back and grabs the basketball baseline and cuts. I think I worked on that for six months once. I was in my 20s. Um, may have tried it in a pickup game twice. So feel like that wasn't the most efficient use of my time. But you kind of can't win on these because it's all on the other guy. And if the other guy's a total shithead about it, then you're going to be even more mad. And next thing you know, you know, you're beating up a 21-year-old or 20-year-old in front of your kids. So, I, you know, you could give a look. You could give a look like, hey, you know, hey, what's going on? But then he might just think, hey, what, is this, what does this old fool want? Does he want to run? Do you want to play to 11? <laughs> and Or you could have said, hey, how about if I beat you to 11? You turn that down and you leave. Retirement game. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of options. But we all know, anyone that's been through this, you all know. The chances are that 21-year-old or 20-year-old, I don't know why I keep rounding up here, that guy doesn't listen. The fact that he already did all of this stuff and he's got all this gear on, um, and he sucked. If he really did suck and was wearing this kind of gear, like you probably, the conversation with this guy isn't going to go anywhere anyway. So, I don't know. That's tough. I'll tell you, though, there's times like when I go to play hoops and you have like full court ready to go. And if there's a dad with his kids, you want to be like, okay, look, I'll give you 30 minutes, but, um, you know, you could probably have your three year old shoot a ball a foot in the air on the grass, too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You could, there's probably another place you could not accomplish anything and not take up the court for the entire afternoon also. So, you know, it's a tough one because people get real selfish. You know, people get, some of you probably think I'm wrong. I, I think there should be a time limit. Like I've, and I've done it. I've sat it out and waited and waited. I've seen a guy with his sons play in hold up fives. I've said, Hey, look, they got, they were here first. Let's see how long it goes. And you wait, you kind of shoot around a little bit. Then you can sort of do this this deal where you're you're playing half court and uh your your half court game starts to creep further and Started further past the half court line. <laughs> yes. Next thing you know, you're like, wait, is the tide coming up here? I'm like, no, we're just slowly, slowly forcing you off of this court here. But you know, if a guy's there with his kids, you gotta respect it. 
up into a point, I think. But yeah, I don't know. I went way too long on this one. So there you go. I think we I think we covered every angle without coming up with a clear solution. Please spread the word. Subscribe to the Ryan Russillo podcast. Ringer, Spotify. We'll be uh, ready to go previewing wildcard weekend. Also doing something with Kevin Clark and the Ringer for the wildcard deal. I'm going to be doing a live show with them on Saturday. I'll have all the details. I'm pretty sure I was already given all the details, but I'll look at them and then say exactly when they are on Friday's podcast. So be on the lookout for that one as well. <laughs>